Итак, прежде чем мы с вами вновь начнем исследовать глубины нашего And so before we continue to study the depth of our inheritance in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of the study of the Word of God is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, concerning me and so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture we will continue to the study of our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit looking at what we need to do from our side the Holy Spirit opens up this truth that's in our heart we're looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created in accordance to God and true righteousness and holiness we know that to fulfill this commanding order in this place of scripture we see these three vital charging and fundamental acts to put off be renewed and put on we have noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny affecting acts to put off be renewed and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath more specifically will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it forever which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life although they may have been written there at one time in a specific format we've already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth and relevant to clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who contains the power of the resurrection of Christ and the all armor of light we've concluded that we really need God's help in the form of his redeeming mercy without which we will not be able to put off our former way of life be renewed by the spirit of our mind or put on our new person the means of receiving any kind of help this help demonstrated in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God is the armor of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth we have noted that the genesis of prayer is inherent to the genesis of God as it's always existed and revealed itself there where God abides therefore the extent or degree of our knowledge of the will of God which we are studying in these three functions to put off the old man be renewed by the spirit of our mind and clothe ourselves into our new person absolutely depends on the extent of our understanding of the genesis of prayer prayer is the language of God the means given to us by God and the legitimate right to communicate with God this is specifically why the erecting of an altar identifying the state of the heart and motives of a worshiper of God as well as the sacrifice that is brought upon such an altar which identifies the legit and rightful status of prayer belongs exclusively to those people that were clothed into the rightful virtue 
and status of a priest. Those who left in uh, spiritual infancy and have grown into full measure of growth in Christ. They died for their nation, for the house of their father, and for their corrupt desires. A person that is clothed into the rank and virtue of a priest is a person that is clothed into the virtue of a legitimate median, who is trusted by God with the legitimate right by the means of prayer that satisfies the demands of his will and what is the language of God to approach God and to enter into the presence of God in order to present God's rights and interests that are demonstrated in his will. One of these prayers of David is written in the 143rd Psalm of David. The psalm opens up the conditions based upon which a person is called to form a legitimate foundation for God so that God's mercy may intervene into your life as well as the boundaries of those areas that we rule over and that we carry responsibility for before God. The psalm has become the subject of our next studies. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness and do not enter into judgment with your servant for in your sight no one living is righteous for the enemy has persecuted my soul he has crushed my life to the ground he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me my heart within me is distressed I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. When he's saying these words, this state is the greatest and most acceptable before God. A person is maybe in disappointment, but his he is suffering, but his, his suffering is a, a great wealth, that all the wealth of the world is not comparable with what a person experiences in this situation. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Psalm 143, 1-12. This psalm uh, is unfitting in the mind of men who have clothed themselves into what is profane to God, legalizing what is uh, lawless and convincing themselves of the fact that in their mind as a fact that God loves everyone in general. God does not love everyone in general. He loves only his children and Jesus died only for his church. He gave herself for himself for her so she'd be washed and pure before him in love and the heavenly father in this world has loved those who believe in this world not everyone in general in the world but those who believe in the world and gave his only begotten son for those who believe in him that in 
any and all of those who believe in him would have everlasting life and not perish. And the phrase, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, indicates the early morning that follows the dark night. This symbolizes the resurrection of Christ, which can be seen in the loss of the spirit of life, which is called to deliver our body from the law of sin and death. May God give it that all of us experience this even when the old person is bound this state is a state of bliss and euphoria you want him to completely be thrusted out but even being bound it's already a great mercy and blessing no one will be of course raptured if the old person will not be bound within his body if a person will not allow by the power of the truth in the heart and the Holy Spirit that reveals this truth to bind the old person with his deeds and so for David as well as us to hear the mercy of God early and the power of the resurrection of Christ as a result of the given to us by God redemption that is in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus it is necessary for David and necessary for us to present God a legitimate foundation or a specific right that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart a legitimate foundation upon the tablets of our heart in the given prayer are ten unique in their nature arguments identifying the governing and almighty words of God converted into promises as an inheritance and commandments that we are to present to God as an argument as a consistency of our heart telling God hear me in your faithfulness and righteousness hear me for the sake of remembering the days of old and all of your works hear me for I spread out my hands to you hear me for in you do I trust hear me for I lift up my soul to you Hear me, because in you I take shelter. Hear me, for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me, because I am your servant. In the previous services, we already looked at the nature of the first argument and stopped to study the second argument. And this is evidence that David's heart contained memories, and our heart contains memories of the days of old and all of the works that were done by God in those old days, which David confessed and presented in his prayer. We've noted that the symbol of this evidence is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which was an item of unique and continual remembrance before God, identifying with itself the legitimate example of continual prayer, with which we as kings and priests of the new covenant are to approach God in Christ Jesus and constantly be in communication with Him. And as we know, this breastplate of judgment was created for and served only one element within the heart of a man. This is the Urim and Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God in his heart. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment discovers itself in the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works upon the tablets of whom and the twelve names of the patriarchs, the example of the status of legitimate prayer is in accordance to the demands of the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. And so all of these names, they are united one with the other. They discover themselves one in the other. Some people think that this is 
Uh, all, these are all separate. We are su studying them as individual or separate things, but they are as one, like a consistency of minerals together. It's the same thing here. These 12 names are our destinies. Our destiny is contained in these names, and these names present God's names or the lot of the Most High, which God has called the in unsearchable inheritance of Christ in the New Testament. And so the 12 golden settings is the ruling truth of the elementary principles of Jesus Christ, which identifies the order of the given law of God in righteousness and holy truth that we as worshippers of God are called to demonstrate before the face of God in the legitimate foundation or basis of our continual prayer. The 12 precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet, names of the sons of Israel, is a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting with itself the perfect judgments of God contained in the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. With this we conclude that it wasn't the golden settings in the form of the truth of the Word of God that were adjusted in size and configuration to the precious stones, but the precious stones in the form of our prayers are the ones that are adjusted in size and configuration to fit the golden settings of truth, which is why the revelation of God in the form of the Urim symbolizing the Holy Spirit this Urim again also reveals the New Testament in the New Testament reveals these Ten Commandments can only exist within the boundaries of the truth which in the heart of man is the Thummim demonstrating the principles of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh as it is written I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you Exodus 31 6 and so God will not place the wisdom of the Holy Spirit into a heart that is foolish one that is unwise he may speak in tongues you know that the five uh, foolish virgins were speaking in tongues and baptized by the Holy Spirit but they were foolish they were not able to discern and God was not able to come by the power of the Holy Spirit into their heart they there was no truth there their vessel was empty and that's why their lamp in time began to dim and so the friendship of the Thummim and Urim within the heart of a person is the unifications of two formats of godly wisdom the scriptures state that carriers of the Thummim and Urim are the true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit in a specific format we've already looked at seven qualities that the heart of a warrior in prayer possesses in the first seven precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God can continually bring about his will upon planet earth and stop to study the eighth quality in the eighth precious stone upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart presented in the virtue of the precious agate stone the name carved upon the second precious stone of the breastplate of judgment upon this agate stone which was a continual memorial before God is the name of Asher he is the eighth son of Jacob and his name means a captive of blissfulness or blessing so Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son then Leah said how happy I am the women will call me happy so she named him Asher Genesis 30 12 through 13 we will remember 
remember that when translated from the Greek word agat, it means blessed, which absolutely corresponds to the meaning of the name Asher, a captive of bliss or blessing written upon this stone. The name of God presented in the precious agate, according to the conclusions of a Jewish rabbinate, is El Elyon, which means most high. This directs to the unlimited and sovereign authority or power of God in his unlimited expanse, which he fills with himself due to his omnipresence, as well as the created by him visible and invisible creation, which absolutely is not possible to uh, capture with the physical mind the endlessness of of the expanse in the universe and all of this endlessness God fills with himself and we again uh, are always trying to picture an end but our Heavenly Father has no end he has no beginning or end of days and so the universe in which he dwells has no beginning and has no end it expands on all ends and has no ends it continues on but has no actual finish lines this expanse that's how God is in this expanse that has no limits or has no ends this is our Heavenly Father that bore us by the word of truth so that we can be the first fruits of his creation and so according to the meaning of the name Asher the eighth principle in the foundation of our continual prayer is the function demonstrated in our voluntary dependence of becoming a blessed captive of God so that we with our prayer would collaborate with the name of God Most High or El El Yon relevant to the subject we've been studying a series of parables and events that we became familiar with and their conditions we learned that we can fulfill these conditions by the name of God Most High we could destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of reigning sin this reigning sin identifies the essence of our old person with his deeds so that we could cast him from out of our body to hell with noise and afterwards erect the stronghold of the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and this all will happen before we are raptured to heaven to our Lord and stop to look at the next condition this condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El El Yon or God Most High and this condition consists so that in the circumstances of our hardship or being in a tight space while putting off the old man when the old when a person feels naked and vulnerable you need to cast off the old man and then renew your mind and then a after that when you have renewed your mind or with the abilities of your renewed mind you clothe yourself into your new person and this entire uh, process a person will be very vulnerable at this time will be very defenseless will be very lonely and everything he will experience in this time will be the hellfire and he will be dreaming of all kinds of uh, things or it could be terrible things and he needs to not pay attention to that 
wake up and say, The Lord lives before whom I stand. I will not be shaken. And continue to reaffirm uh, your hope. People uh, become afraid when they're in that position. But when you're casting off of yourself, the old man, you will experience these things and even other things also you will experience things are happening in hell as well the, sh the shackles of hell David talks about this at the uh, that he has been uh, pretty much as if wrapped with hell but you will continue to reaffirm you'll continue to proclaim that the stronghold of death is destroyed and the stronghold of life is established within you and only that then will the time come when all of this will end all of this will be bound and you will begin to experience this bliss and so this condition consists again in the circumstances of our hardship when you're feeling in this tight space but putting off this old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. We've noted that this story is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God Most High, and also the confrontation of of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. King Saul is our mind anointed by God but it is Saul that conflicts with the other king and God has allowed this that for a certain amount of time two anointed by him kings would be and by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ what God has done in Jesus Christ and who we are to God in Jesus Christ God received the required basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person in the power of by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise. As much as we know, in character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer. The condition of his heart was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. The first part identifies how the altar needs to be, how our motives need to be our goals. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer which gave God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. This prayer is placed upon this holy altar. The third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the simple human mind. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first part and stopped to study the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High, showing our lot here in these eight names of God, getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, to be saved from his 
his enemies. And for God, discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God grounds to use his abilities that consist in his names, in these eight names, to battle against the enemies of David. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. And so in these verses, we see eight names. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. And the Lord is my stronghold. And when he called upon the Lord and he proclaimed these names, he knew the meaning of every one of these names. He knew the lot that was in them. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at the lot of our inheritance in the power contained in God's name's strength and have turned to look at the lot in the power of a rock or God's name rock as this is God's name, that inner consistency contains an unearthly form of hardness that is inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father and is not something that can be comprehended again by the abilities of the simple human mind. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the existing names of God Most High is purposed to be the calling and a strategic teaching, a calling and mantle of a king and a priest and a prophet anointed by the Holy Spirit to rule over their earthly body. And if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling, that is over his earthly body, then this prayer is not for him and will not benefit him. And what we are talking about will appear to these people as something foolish because everything that people are focused on or those who are call themselves Christian, uh, true Christians. They call themselves true Christians, but the scriptures don't call them call them them these as true Christians. They're always focused on what they need to do for God as evangelism, uh, convincing themselves that if they don't evangelize to the world, God will not. But if they do, God will not have any choice but to take them. But the truth is that he did not send them and did not have this goal in mind. The goal of evangelism is to be a light, and everyone is called to be a light where he is. And you don't need to go to India or Africa or anywhere else. You need that your neighbors see you walking out and become curious by you. They would become curious or that they... Uh, observe you, that they see the light in you, that when you wake up and you walk in your room or you do something, that your wife would see light in you, or your husband would see light in the wife, or the parents would see in children, children in the parents. This is the goal that he has. But today, uh, people are thieves, fornicators, drunkards go and evangelize. They have legalized these sins long ago. They don't call them sins. And this is terrible.
And so the quality and Lexus identifying a rock in the sense of the characteristic of hardness that we are studying has no relation to the definition of the word as it exists in the dictionaries of this world. This rock or the sense of the characteristic of hardness is an identification and specification of the quality nature of God exclusively. In scripture, the definition of the word rock as the characteristic hard relates to that natural quality of God, most high, and is illustrated in the following way. As the word hard, when it comes to God and man, is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested or tried, rooted, well-established, immovable, constant, endless, continual, fearless, unquenchable, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the quality of a rock as it refers to the characteristic hardness pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms. Very uh, interesting identifications here, definitions. Stone, cliff, a span, a measuring wreath or a rod, heaviness, weight, and scales. This means a specific weight by which we can determine the price and worth of the weight individual or item. In the world, there is no scales like this. They just weigh physical bodies or physical things, but they cannot weigh your essence, your true worth. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a, in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Of course, it doesn't mean that God is weighing the mountains. Yeah, of course, he knows the weights of weight of these mountains. But when it's talking about mountains, this is the promises of God. God has weighed in man these mountains, these God's promises. A person will be weighed by these mountains and these hills that are within him because in scripture mountains are God's promises and hills are the covenant God makes with man who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counsel has taught him with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice who taught his knowledge and showed him the way of understanding behold the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales look he lifts up the isles as a very little thing Isaiah 40 12 through 15 therefore the inherited lot contained in the power of the name of God rock contains the ability of the most high to judge to measure or weigh upon the scale of his godly justice all the made by him creation in order to reward or punish each according to their results if it is good or evil that lives in the man <clears throat> then the fingers of the hand were sent from him and this writing was written and this is the inscription that was written mene mene tekel ufarsin this is the interpretation of each word mene God has numbered your kingdom and finished it tekel you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting peres your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians Daniel 5 24-28 King Belshazzar the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar was found wanting on these scales. And so God weighs when it comes time for the sacrifice. A person, each one has his time for his harvest. There will be a time when there will be a harvest of the whole world, but in the life of every person, there's a specific harvest that happens as well. When God 
when God weighs him, and finding him light, he casts him out of the kingdom. A person continues to walk to church, to come to church, but he no longer belongs to the church. He has been weighed and cast out. And this person no, uh, no longer understands anything, and he becomes very uh, rebellious and, com- and, and complains and judges. He, he becomes rebellious. He is then uh, either ex- uh, ex- expelled from the church or he leaves himself. And so those who call themselves churches today that are synagogues of Satan, they are consisted, they were not formed by God's, by the way of God's order, but because they divided up churches and created for themselves new ones. God didn't, doesn't work this way. He doesn't work this way. A church that someone has separated and became a head of that church, the scriptures call them synagogues of Satan. You ask, can there be saved people there? Of course there can be. The scriptures, you live where the throne of Satan is and have not denied my name. You have there 10 people that will walk with me in white garments. Many people end up in those places not understanding or knowing or were enticed, but they don't participate in uh, evil works and did not raise their hands against the one that God has placed. And so God in some way will save those. According to what we've learned here, to be clothed into the power of a rock of the Lord is to be clothed into the fear of the Lord, that is, God's wisdom that comes from above, giving us the ability to judge our way upon the scale plates of the Lord, first ourselves and then those people that we are responsible for. And, of course, our respons- under our responsibilities, first ourselves, if we got married then children of course are under our responsibility a husband as the father the wife and children are under him if he's at work and he has some kind of position as a manager he's responsible to show light where he works one Episcopal once told me I worked almost my entire life and no one ever knew that I was a Christian and so such Episcopals and those who followed them will go to hell because if you are a light you will immediately be noticed whether you want it or not if you light up a candle in a dark uh, room you immediately will see this candle it will drive away the darkness and so you being an an unfamiliar place or as I have been people already identify me and they become curious sometimes there's a group of people approached me I was in a setting a place where there were lots of people and one young woman one woman comes to me and says who are you and I said I'm a person and she says no well everyone is everyone is curious you're not the same as everyone else. And I said, I'm truly not as everyone else. And she said, I told them this. And she said, tell me, are you an alien? And I said, how did you know? And I, she says, I told them that you were an alien. And I said, yes, I'm a citizen of heaven. I knew it. And she said, you're not the same as we are. 
They're going to sense that, that you're different. One psychologist would come to me, and I didn't know he was a psychologist, and he talked to me. And three days, he would come to me at work and talk to me, and then he leaves, comes and leaves, and on the third day, he says, listen, who are you? And I said, I don't understand. Three days we've been talking, and he said, you know that I'm a psychologist, and I teach psychology in the institute by all forms of psychology uh, it doesn't for some reason doesn't apply to you for example you talk to a person about earthquakes they start talking about earthquakes you talk to them about animals they start talking about animals or go into detail on animals but you anything I talk to you about you turn it over to Christ or talk about Christ you always talk about heaven or Christ and uh, I'm, I became afraid. Uh, I was always an atheist, but now I'm afraid. I wasn't afraid of death, but now I am afraid. Who are you? And I told him, you you're, you responded to your own question. Uh, you said, who I am? I'm a person of, of heaven. And so if someone can't identify you as a light, then you're not leading the life of a Christian. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight and a perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 25, 13-16 Scales or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God, Rock, is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom, to fairly judge or weigh all of the made-by-Him creation, so that each one weighed upon the plates of these scales receive His reward according to His results. Weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High, according to which He judges or weighs upon the scale plates of just the made by him creation. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High consisting in his name Rock is to possess power to the right to judge yourself and judge those people we carry responsibility for within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Or to weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and actions of those people that we carry responsibility for. You don't need to weigh all, but only those that are under our responsibility. And to apprehend and be clothed into the unearthly virtue of a rock in the sense of the characteristic hardness containing the name of God Most High, which satisfies our hunger and thirst and gives us power over our calling, we came to the necessity to to look at four classical questions. First, what in essence is the characteristic of hardness as it pertains to the power of rock as the name of God Most High? What purpose is the characteristic of hardness called to fulfill in our prayer? What price do we need to pay in order to be clothed into this characteristic of hardness? And by what results do we judge that we truly possess the characteristic of hardness consisting in the power of rock 
as the name of God Most High. We've noted that all of the names of God discover themselves in each other because they are dissolved one in the other, come one from the other, are demonstrated in one the other, empower one the other, and identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, in the given Psalm of David, the eight names of God Most High are presented in the form of a sequence, where each succeeding name is a demonstration of the previous name, or discovers itself in the following after itself name. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions, and we'll immediately begin studying the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to have the right to clothe our spirit into the characteristic of the hardness of God so that God would receive the legitimate basis to keep us in his perfect peace? As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26.3. In a specific format, we've already looked at the price of the two conditions that when fulfilled clothes our spirit into hardness the rock of the Lord, therefore we will continue to study the third condition. The price of the first condition for the right to possess the quality of the hardness of God within our spirit consists in planting yourself in the house of the Lord. The second price consists in dealing graciously with the vessels of mercy. The price of the third condition is to walk in the ways of the Lord. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what, I, what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, as I built for David and will give Israel to you, 1 Kings 11.38. So that God can build our body into an enduring house, it is necessary for us to do two things that David did in order to provide God proper basis to build him into an enduring house. First, it is necessary for us, like David, to take the stronghold Zion by battle and then dwell in the stronghold Zion. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said on that day, Then Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. We're talking here about the stronghold of, of Zion. David dwelt in the stronghold and called, the city, called it the city of David. So David knew that the Lord had established him as a king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And here he understood that he does not just have the stronghold of Zion, but also that he's been established, 2 Samuel 5, 7 through 12. The symbol of the stronghold Zion, which was being ruled by the Jebusites, but by a casted lot belonged to the tribe of Judah, is our body. The Jebusites who rule over our body, called to become the city of David, is to be viewed as the aspect of our feelings. Our body is being controlled by our feelings. To battle against the Jebusites who rule over our body with the power of the corrupt desires of our soul, being supported by the organized powers of darkness, means receive into your heart the revelation about the destruction of the stronghold of 
death in our body and erection of the stronghold of life in its place. And afterwards, by the revelation of, the f of faith, consider yourself dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming the non-existent as existent. The confessions of such a goal-oriented faith will give God the proper grounds to acknowledge the promise given to us about the destruction of the stronghold of death in our body and the erection of the stronghold of life in its place. Second, in order to provide God proper grounds so that He can build our body into an enduring house, we, like David, need to cling to the testimonies of God so we may be taught His statutes. And to be taught His statutes, we, like David, need to be clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ in order to provide the messengers of Hiram the opportunity to build us an enduring house. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 119, 11, 12. The stronghold of Zion represents our body upon one condition, and that is if we have an organic membership to the stronghold of Zion in the form of a good wife. We, in this good wife, we need to see the church in which we are, and we need to see ourselves as this good wife. <clears throat> who can find a virtuous wife you need to find this virtuous wife <clears throat> for her worth is far above rubies the heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain she does him good and not evil the days of her life she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands the, this is of course uh, a metaphor or an allegory this is not to be uh, received directly she is like the like the merchant ships she brings her food from afar we need to do these things in our body she also rises while it, it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants she considers a field and buys it from her prophets she plants a vineyard she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms Imagine a virtuous wife that girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand in the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself, her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with, with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Proverbs 31, 10-31 The good that the virtuous wife does is everything that comes from the will of God inspired by the Holy Spirit and can be tested and examined by the written word of God. Evil in scripture is called all the good and all of the service that comes from the desire of 
of man. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 And so a, a virtuous wife in Scripture is only that church of saints who is led by a person that is clothed by the Holy Spirit with the power of a father of God, and only those people who have an organic membership to such a church. To examine the church of saints as well as yourself, checking on and the enduring quality or nature of a good wife or virtuous wife is possible by the signs that are indicated in Scripture, the signs that describe the good wife. In the given place of Scripture, there are 20 signs which provide God proper basis to build our body into an enduring house. Together, these 20 signs come one from the other, discover themselves one in the other, and identify the legitimacy of one the other. In a specific format, we've already looked at five signs, therefore we will go to learn the sixth sign. Sixth, the good of a, of a virtuous wife is the ability to plant vineyards from her prophets. In scripture, the symbol of the fruits of the vineyard is linked to the fruit of upright joy abiding within the heart of man and wine that make, makes glad the heart of a man. And here it's not talking about simple wine. Psalm 104.15, here it's talking about supernatural wine about which it is written that you shall not be drunk with wine but filled with the Spirit. Here it's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. To plant vineyards from your prophets means to love righteousness and hate lawlessness in order to give God proper grounds to turn his favor upon us and anoint us with the oil of joy. As it is written, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude 1.24 <clears throat> If a person has this upright joy or exceeding joy, if he does not, then he will not be able to enter heaven. And here it's not talking about a natural joy on earth, but because that is in the feelings that you uh, can identify whether you have it. If you had a good meal, uh, all food has uh, the ability to make one joyful and happy. Chocolate or meat or whatever it may be that a person is eating, you begin to uh, experience a good feeling within yourself but here it's talking about a very different type of joy when you will cast off of yourself this old person and everything will be shouting around you and you will be pretty much bound with hell uh, you will have a joy a joy that you can't really feel in the body it's different this is information it's just information that you receive from the preached word of, of, of truth you have loved loved righteousness his commandments and hated uh, the lawlessness that is in those who are lawless and so every time we when we as a result of our love for righteousness and hatred toward lawlessness are clothed into the virtue of upright joy we give the re representatives of the king of Tyre the legitimate grounds to build our body into an enduring house the symbol of 
The king of tires, the Holy Spirit, and his representatives are people that are anointed by God, that are able to inter interpret the scriptures, read them. He will build our body, form our body into a strong or enduring house. And so when we love righteousness and hate lawlessness, this will start happening. When we throw out from with our mind this tolerant uh, evil that today is eating the church as a disease. Seventh, the good of a virtuous wife is the ability to gird herself with strength and, str and strengthen her arms. To gird herself with strength and strengthen her arms is to renew your mind by the spirit of your mind, which is the mind of Christ within our spirit. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 you see what loins it's referring to, loins of the mind, to strengthen your arms is to be uh, strengthened with God's might. Every time we renew our mind by the spirit of our mind and we're vigilant in prayer, completely trusting in the grace of the appearance of Jesus Christ, we give the representatives of the King of Tyre the legitimate right to build our body into an enduring house. Eighth, the good of a good wife comes from the state of her heart where she knows or perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out at night. The merchandise by which we perceive within our heart the peace of God is the active continuation in the faith of God where our heart is vigilant in hope waiting to meet the Lord in the air. I sleep but my heart is awake, Songs of Solomon 5.2 the vigilance of our heart is found in a joyously burning lamp identifying our burning before God's Spirit which contains a life-caring energy of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart Proverbs 20:27. 20, it is specifically the burning lamp that does not dim at night that will that will be the specific form of guarantee that we will meet the Lord in the air those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps but while the bride, uh, bridegroom was delayed they all slumbered and slept and at midnight a cry was heard behold the bridegroom is coming go out to meet him then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but the wise answered saying no t lest there should should not be enough for us and you but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves and while they were to went to buy the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut afterwards the other virgins came also saying Lord Lord open to us but he answered and said assuredly I say to you I do not know you and so they didn't make it in time Matthew 25 3 through 12 those uh, that were wise at night their lamp was burning but these it wasn't night it's not just a regular night <clears throat> it doesn't uh, when it's talking about night it's saying night uh, passes not on knowledge uh, to the night night is the state of our spirit where we receive revelations and the day is our mind that 
can pass on this revelation to ourselves. When we confess this revelation, God takes those words and clothes us into those words that we proclaim or confess. Every time we receive a not understood to our mind truth and place it into our heart, we give the representatives of the King of Tyre the ability to build our body into an enduring house because the oil in the vessel is that word that we don't understand but we accept. This is the uh, good of the virtuous uh, wife. Just like the mother of Jesus, she didn't understand what Jesus said, but she placed all this into her heart. The disciples of Christ, not all of them, he had a lot of them, but after he said, those who will not eat of my body or drink the blood will not have life in themselves, all the disciples left because they said these are the words of uh, uh, foolish words and we cannot listen to this. Twelve remained and they were confused. They also didn't understand, but they didn't leave. And they complained to Jesus. He said, Lord, what you said yesterday, they uh, were offended and left because of the things you said. Here these twelve remain. He asked them, why did you not also leave? Did you not want to go with them? Instead of explaining, he asked, why did you not also leave? If you can imagine, pastor comes to the church, says the truth, and he comes and there's only eight or seven that are sitting and he said and they say pastor the sermon that you said spoke yesterday uh people couldn't receive and left and imagine the pastor uh would just ask them why didn't you leave if you can imagine this this uh this uh, situation he didn't become uh, offended or angry or upset he was actually happy because only those left that were strangers his your own won't leave and, and John says directly if they were our own they would have remained with us but since they were not of us they didn't remain with us and Peter then said to Jesus Lord to whom shall we go you have the words of it of of, of life and he said blessed are you Simon son of Peter because not flesh and blood revealed this to you but my father in heaven and he didn't even explain uh, what he had said but he, they placed this into their heart because they understood that it is the Lord who spoke it when a person of God is placed by God speaks the word of God we need to understand that there are parts that a person will say that uh, we won't understand they need to be poured into the into the spirit as oil it's God's holiness and he wants in our body the holiness be and the disciples didn't understand that at the time that what they were receiving was the holiness of the Lord it is pleasant to God that he sees you uh, lead he leads you uh, in ways that you don't know so that a person is curious where will the Lord take us in unknown ways will the Lord lead his people it says in the Bible this is faith try to trust it's easy to believe when they show you the actual goal go and walk but when they tell you the goal but it's far and there's a, a path uh, but you don't know what's going to be on the path and aren't even sure what 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 all that may be may mean but when you receive what you don't understand you are preparing this oil and the time when it comes this oil will be needed to us when they say the bridegroom is coming 
and this time has already happened. The bridegroom is coming is when the promises of God began to become revealed, the, that, the, the promises uh, that before we are raptured in our body, the stronghold of death needs to be destroyed and the stronghold of life needs to be built, erected, or established. This is what God begins to reveal at this time. And this is already was in the, in, in the spirit and now the Lord is revealing the groom is coming, the bridegroom is coming and then those rose, the foolish, uh, and they didn't have oil because they only received what they understood and they said if I have my my own head and if I don't understand it I won't receive it but in scripture that's not what it says to do does it say anything in scripture about understanding anything with the intellect or mind it says with your heart learn to understand the mind cannot help you here make your mind your servant may he carry the wood and the water in the to the temple for the service of the temple this is what your mind needs to do ninth the good of a virtuous wife is demonstrated in stretching her hands to dis to the distaff and her hand holding the spindle she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle the distaff is a spinneret and a spindle is a hand used a hand used spinning wheel with the help of which the wool would be whirled and thread is wound and so it's generally a mixture of different things and the coverings for the temple were prepared in this way the uh, curtain or the veil that separated the holy from the holy of holies uh, and so uh, with linen and wool, uh, a combination of the two uh, materials were these things prepared or made. And so this virtuous wife in the form of every individual person uh, is a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with, an, with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Leviticus 19.19 19. And also, you shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. However, looking at uh, this uh, places of scripture, the priest needed to actually do these things. They needed to sow their field with different types of seed. They needed to plow together with ox and donkeys. Uh, they needed to wear garments of different sorts. In scripture, hair that grows from the body and 
the wool that grows from a sheep uh, is a symbol of the works of the flesh, but when it's uh, already uh, cut, then and a priest's clothing is made of it, then it's a symbol of it of your conscience purified from dead works, and that this person died for their nation, for the house of their father, and for the corrupt desires. And according to the words of Christ, being dead to sin, as uh, a corpse uh, whoever seeks his life or seeks to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it I tell you in that night there will be two men in one bed and one will be taken and another will be left two women will be grinding together the one will be taken and the other left two men will be in the field the one will be taken and the other left and they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be, ga will be gathered together. And so if this uh, thread from the wool testifies or that uh, uh, that was ma uh, that made up these uh, clothing of the priests testified of a conscience that had cleansed from dead works then the unification of these testifies of the garments of a priest as righteousness for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or, or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, that was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us, who believe in him, who raised him up, Jesus Christ our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification, Romans 4, 13 through 25. In death our sins are forgiven, and in his resurrection we receive justification. And so the symbol of linen, the seed that was planted into good soil of the human heart, which died and, and, and brought forth fruit, represents uh, the uh, garment of the priest death and resurrection of Christ or that this person died to sin and lives for God now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him from, an, from among the children of Israel that he may minister to me as a priest Aaron and Aaron's son Nabad, Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty so you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister to me as a priest and these are the garments which they shall make a breastplate and ephod a robe a skillfully woven tunic a turban and a sash so they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons that he may minister to me as a priest they shall take the gold blue purple and scarlet thread and the fine linen and they shall make the ephod of gold blue purple and scarlet thread and fine woman woven linen artistically wo uh, woven or worked it shall have two shoulder straps joined as its two edges and it, so it shall be joined together and the intricately woven band of the ephod which is on it shall be of the same workmanship made of gold purple blue and scarlet thread and fine woven linen Right now we don't have time to explain all of the uh, details and we could talk about this more, but I just want to show here, uh, here it's talking about uh, 
her uh, doing the work and uh, preparing this thread, she combines this linen and this wool and uh, then prepares these garments. And if the garments of the priest from linen and wool are a symbol of the new person that carries in himself the power of the resurrection of Christ, that the body of a priest was clothed into, then the tabernacle that was made of these coverings of uh, the the combination of linen and wool identifies uh, the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Moreover, he shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread. With artistic designs of cherubim, you shall weave them. The length of each curtain shall be twenty-eight cubits, and the width of each curtain four cubits. And every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. Exodus 26, 1 through 2. And so then the next layer of covering was from goat's hair. Uh, and then there were also the skins. Uh, so there are three different kinds of coverings. The ten curtains are the holiness of the Most High, the elementary principles of Jesus Christ in ourselves. The length and measurements of each of these coverings is... Uh, any number that is divided up by seven symbolizes the fullness of Christ in a person, making him an organic member of the church. 28 divided uh, by seven will be four. This is a symbol of the four teachings, faith teachings that have three in themselves. The curtain that divided the Holy of Holies from the holy place was making or was made of thread and fine woven linen also represents in the body of a person the holiness of the most high and there were cherubims also there as you know you shall make a veil woven of blue purple and scarlet thread and fine woven linen it shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim you shall hang it upon the four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver and you shall hang the veil from the clasps then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the holy and the most holy. Exodus 26, 31 through 33. And so this veil of the tabernacle in our body that has makes way uh, to the holy of holies is our access, the blood of Jesus that gave us access uh, to Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. And so combining the, uh, these, or these clothing that is made of linen and wool are the garments of the priests. 
and not that of spiritual infants or other people. These are people that need to be in the presence of God every time when we turn to our soul to be able to lead it out of the state of disappointment and bring it into hope. Uh, into hope we allow the representatives of the king of Tyre to build our body into an assured house. The tenth is she extends her hands to the poor, yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. The poor and the needy within our body is our soul, that we have lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and afterwards reobtained it in his resurrection, which is why our hope and our reliance of our soul is the Lord, because it has died for uh, its old husband, the reigning sin that was in it. Our soul, even in this privileged state, can't by itself help itself to be able to quench its hunger and thirst to communicate with God. You need someone else as this virtuous wife that would be able to stretch out her hand for help to be able to quench the soul's hunger and thirst for God. And this someone is our new person. And this is the rod of our mouth. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Psalm 42, 5. The soul, even when it is risen from the dead, it can't by itself defend itself or quench its own hunger and thirst. Only the revelation that is within our heart, in our new person, when we confess it with our mouth, only then does our soul find peace. As soon as my soul begins to become disappointed or something happens, I begin to immediately communicate with my soul. As Americans say, I have a talk show with myself, and my soul immediately stops uh, feeling the way it does or is sensing the things that it is and begins to rejoice and I together with my soul begins to gl glorify God and rejoice about our Lord. It's interesting that this phrase is repeated in this 42nd Psalm twice and then the 43rd Psalm as well which indicates a specific significance every time when we turn to our soul so that we can lead it out of the state of disappointment and hope upon God we need we provide uh, the representative of the king of Tyre the ability to build our body into an assured house 11. The good of a virtuous wife <coughs> is that she's not afraid of snow for her household, for her household is clothed with scarlet, or in the original, as in a double layer of clothing. <coughs> when it's talking about the, uh, the household, this is talking about a a marital union of a man and a woman considering that this is a allegory this is the relationship of a child of God and and the Lord our children are the fruits of our spirit the symbol of this uh, snow or the time of cold is the second death
Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and and is enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so this double layer of clothing is justification. Therefore, as though one man's offenses judgment, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. A person can't automatically become a righteous, you need to receive it and then confess it as the faith of, faith of your heart. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, righteousness begins to reign when you consider yourself dead to sin, living for God when you don't pay attention to what's happening in you and don't base things from what you feel but what you know faith is from information it comes from information and not what you feel faith is from hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God is not emotions it's information and so every time when we look at the promises of God that are received into our heart that contain God's grace that has uh, begun to rule because of the righteousness in our body we allow the representatives of the king of Tyre to build our house into an assured house 12th the good of a virtuous wife is that she makes tapestry for herself her clothing is fine linen and purple she makes tapestry for herself her clothing is fine linen and purple in Hebrew the word tapestry is a covering that protects a person from the wrath of God he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I will trust Psalm 91 1-2 garments from linen together with wool is the righteousness of the saints that is revealed in the obedience of the preached uh, in the obedience of the preached word of truth in the mouth of man that is clothed into the power of a father of God your head crowns you like Mount Carmel and the hair of your head is like purple a king is held captive by your tresses how fair and how pleasant you are, O love, with your delights. Songs of Solomon 7, 5, 6. Hair is a symbol of a covering. And it says your hair is, hair of your head is like purple. This is talking about of linen. A person that acknowledges over himself the authority of the anointed of God from the person whom God has placed will be clothed into the glory of the anointed word will be, which will be a great joy and gladness for his body so Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel blue and white with a great crown of gold and garment of fine linen and purple and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad Esther 8.15 
And he had again from linen, from this blue and white, or this clothing from blue and white, and a garment of fine linen and purple. Shushan is a lily. The de definition of the word Shushan is lily. This is the city of Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes is not a name but a title of great king, symbol of Christ. Garments with uh, linen and wool is the righteousness of the saints that is uh, revealed when we obey the word of truth from the mouth in the mouth of that person that is clothed into a father of God. Of the wood of Lebanon, Solomon the king made himself palanquin. He made its pillar of silver, its support of gold, its seat of purple. Lebanon, a symbol of righteousness. A palanquin is where a person, as a symbol of of place where uh, someone rests. He made its pillar of silver, its support of gold, its seat of purple, its interior paved with love by the daughter daughters of Jerusalem. Songs of Solomon 3, 9, 10. This is not physical. This, this is not actual. Solomon didn't do this. This is all as in the form of a metaphor or symbolic. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In your hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon you, therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91, 11-16 God will carry who in their in their in their hands the one that will have these garments of linen and who will have rest in him who where who will have the teaching of death and resurrection that God has given the promise here on earth to destroy the stronghold of death in the body to drive out the old person with his deeds and uh, erect the new person and so when a person has this he will be in a euphoria and be calm he will be unpenetrating for sin a person when he receives the truth you need to confirm what you receive Conf confirmation happens when you confess it with your mouth every time we confess the faith of our heart we confirm this promise of our salvation because with your mouth if a person confesses the faith of his heart, only then he is saved. But if he does not confess, the scriptures say, when I was quiet, my bones began to become weak, and your hand was always, uh, the weight of your hand was above me or over me. But I revealed my lawlessness before you. When he revealed his sins before God, what did God do after that? And you took from me the guilt of my sin. By the law, you can't do this. By the law, if a person has sinned, he still is not justified. Sin was covered, but it didn't go anywhere, and the sins would be collected, and only one day a year as a symbol, the tabernacle 
uh, was then uh, they then uh, performed a, a, a sacrifice they confessed their sins over the goat uh, that was for the Lord they uh, cut him to pieces removed its skin and brought it as an offering and Jesus in the form of this goat uh, died and this blood was brought into the veil or behind the veil and then the second one it went upon Azazel which is a evil spirit as the goat of Azazel which needs to be released into the wilderness when this unclean spirit comes out it says when the Azazel comes out of a man he walks in different in in a in a in an unknown place and so that goat that was then confessed over the goat that was for the Lord they now confess over the second goat which is for Azazel and so once they confess the sin then the movement of these sins uh, happened so from one to the other and they, he was then not slaughtered in the temple he was released into the wilderness and it showed here this was a, a symbol of how God uh, sends our sins out into a valley that is unknown I will separate it as east from the west I will not remember it again when a person re under, uh, receives this in himself that God has justified him you see sin that we commit today tomorrow or after tomorrow the price has already been paid for it and justification is already upon our account but in order to to receive to take receive take this justification from our account where the devil says that's it you're out of God you're sinning look what's happening to you the Holy Spirit says the price has been paid but to take from that uh, from your account you need to confess your sins and say Lord I confess my sin come to a person of God confess your sins and he according to God's word I give you power to forgive sins and retain sins and he will take your uh, he will remove your sin and you will be justified once more this is the service of justification you need to immediately I oftentimes say sometimes I in prayer will take my words uh, back sometimes I don't like the way I phrased a sentence where I didn't actually say it the way I wanted to or correctly and I say Lord forgive me I want to restate what I wanted to say I make it that I, I make sure not to give the flesh any possible way when people say Lord you 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 want to see how I suffer look watch me suffer they think that in this way they will make God do something and this will never happen God suffers together with you he suffers he suffers for you but he can't deliver you by in your way he has his way of delivering you learn to be patient and wait uh, learn to be holding on to the promises continuously although he may tarry wait it will happen he will come every time we magnify the Word of God in our body above all God's names we allow these representatives of the King of Tyre to build our house into an assured house amen let us pray and we will thank God for the word that we receive today Небесный Отец, 
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ again and again, I together with your people, your chosen ones, I am upon this holy and blessed place that your hand has appointed to worship your holy name. May your chosen be blessed before your face now and forever. May the stronghold of death be destroyed in their body. May healing come and may they rejoice before your face. May they receive this promise as an act of faith and may they confess it as a non-existent as existent because in your heavens, in the unseen reality, you've already placed upon our account these promises in Jesus Christ. And when the time comes for these promises to come about, you will do the work, but you already account righteousness to your people when they consider themselves dead to sin, living for you, proclaiming the not existent as existent. May your mercy be a blessing for your people now and forever. May all weaknesses and illnesses be cursed in the body of your people. May they dry out and leave the body of your people and they will rejoice because their bodies are purposed to be the house of the Most High. May your house be blessed before your face. May the one that rejoices in Zion be blessed. We thank you that you will make your Zion a place of joy and all nations shall come to it. You have done great things for us, O Lord. You have revealed to us the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. You have revealed to us the guarantee for rapture. You have revealed to us the testimony that we can have as Enoch had in his time. You have allowed us to bear fruit, the fruit of Methuselah, our Methuselah, to drive away death. And we have by faith received this, that death is conquered, that is driven out of our body. We thank you for your life within our body. We magnify your name upon this blessed place of yours. Show your glory, show your mercy to your people that are bound by sin, bound by fear, the feeling of complexity or unfulfillment. Teach them to receive your liberty through information and not their emotions. And may your information, the information of your word be blessed and be a blessing for us, making us in your likeness. We thank you together and we worship upon this place, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen
And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.